pick your brain about today, and that is identities. And I, I've, I'm a person who thinks he's creative, so at times I like to come up with little phrases, ideas, and I pump out more analogies than I can keep up with. But in this topic, I like to think about the, the idea of multiple personality disorder, but um, that's maybe a improper way to look at this and more of just just the order of our lives is that we all have different identities uh, work being the last thing we were touching on that that I cannot imagine um, not having a work identity or a persona or put your mask on or however people look at that I mean even the athletes have the the you know the game day face and all these things because normal existence like you and I right now, I would imagine, is relaxed. I, I would hope, you know. I mean, some people probably live a very intense life inside their head and just in their being. But um, I don't know. What do you do? You have a work mask that you put on, or I uh, think that everyone in-laws, does. family, it, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think that I think it varies. Yeah, and I, th- I would be, I think we would be hard pressed to find somebody, and they probably do exist people who are just one person or I would I would say no one is just one person but people who don't have such a differentiation especially from such big differences that say your relationship with your mom or your your identity you have when you're around your parents versus when you're around your friends versus when you're at work but I think that it for most people at least the kind of people I associate with they even have different identities when they're with different friends, and I think I do too. Like even absolutely, even friends that are like we all. I say three of us grew up together. Um, if it's just me and one of those persons, I will have a much different identity than I would with the other person there. And then I guess when all three of us are together, it's a merger of the two, or maybe it's a whole other person. So yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's and with that, and I, you know, I was thinking. Obviously, when you're at work, it's a social thing. You're expected to behave a certain way, to be a certain way. And, of course, when you're with friends, you know, relaxing, watching the game or whatever you're doing, you're expected to be a certain way as well. So those kind of are you're maybe conforming to pressures from from societal views or what you think they expect of you. But when it's just your friends, like two different – like I'm talking about these two different friends that are – you know, we've all known each other since we were little – I guess it's just you, what you expect them to expect of you, and you're just not not necessarily playing a role, but maybe you are. But uh, maybe it's I, just I think what you've that's learned. The way to look at it, yeah. Well, and maybe it's just what you have learned interacts best with them, for you have the most positive experience while you're interacting with them. And you don't want to be obtuse with your friends, with your boss, with your coworkers. Um, generally speaking, I think there are some people out there in the world who have issues with being obtuse or abrasive. I don't think that's always in their control. And I honestly don't think most people that are abrasive are even aware of it. I think um, in, in this recording, for as example, I say this a little bit of tongue in cheek or an analogy. I don't know that everybody knows what they look and sound like. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm one of the the most naive of the two of us. But I don't know that everybody is aware of what their identity looks like until they study it or their persona. And one of the things, a couple of things uh, that kind of hit me. One, and we'll kind of go in whatever order you want here. I think their work versus relaxed and the different friends, these are all multi-layer things. And a lot of things overlap and some do not. And at work... 
I think that is a place where you demand more resources. Um, think of your computer as we were talking about kind of earlier today and the, the idea of this processor for that. And you can look in your computer uh, information about this computer and all. And you can see how many resources are being dedicated right now to XYZ. I think at work is when we demand the most of our resources, which like when you're driving in a town you've never been to before, there is a certain uh, kind of spin up of the turbo, if you will, oh, because yeah. you don't know where you're at. You're needing to pay extra attention to everything. Turn you're not the relying radio on. <laughs> yes, the first thing you got to do is make it quieter. People make fun it, of that, but I think that's legit. Like, I think it helps you, like I always say, process your RAM, it frees up RAM. But anyway, right. continue. Well, it discontinues the amount of stimuli that are coming in because stimuli coming in, we decide to do things with. And in day-to-day life right now, if there was a truck pulling up to deliver a package, I'd tune that out. Even if somebody's knocking on the door, I can tune that out to a degree. Now, the dog gets fired up. That's, you know, we got a lot of stimuli going on and I'm trying to be disruptive to you and anybody listening. But uh, at work, you have to have all your resources on full blast uh, with, with a certain amount of reserve. Nobody's going 100% all day all the time because that's just nearly impossible but with whatever your maximum performance is divided by your work hours or day or whatever you have to always be ready for the next set of stimulus challenge or whatever and so that creates part of the persona the friends it's not the same thing i think what you hit it right on the head with the your kind of different personalities and you don't want to be offensive and that i I love this idea and this topic because I think most of the things that we're going to talk about are are everything that everybody can relate to one way or another with some amount of depth or not. And that is people, I think, are hesitant to talk too much about this because it it almost sounds like something that is a taboo and that is being something you're not. Well, what I have learned in the last four or five years really looking at myself is that that's maybe a cool phrase but the old meme that was one of the earlier ones to circulate that were this is what you think you do this is what your friends think you do this is what your mom thinks you do so forth and so on it had all the different varieties right right every one of those is true and it took me a while of looking at it and and just thinking about myself and thinking about how do each set of friends accept me or not my parents and and my spouse and my kids and everybody has a different view of you and my first inclination is that's not the real me but it is the me you know it is the darren to them just like eddie you have presented to them yeah right you know that thing i mean mean, you've talked about this a lot lately which probably fostered a lot of these questions and thoughts in my head and that is we are all what we show everybody else. And that, that's whether that's real or that's fake, it, it is the how you act, work, and or exist around them. And the stupid analogy I used was it's you drawing the cartoon on a piece of paper. And each interaction you're with someone's a new piece of paper. And then in their mind of you, they're, they're making a flip book. And they flip through that. And that's Eddie's cartoon to me. And if you don't like that, then you got to change <laughs> the, the flip book that you're giving them. I mean, sometimes you can't. You, you, some people just don't like you or me or whoever, and that's just what it is in life. And, you know, we tell our kids, hey, you're not going to please everybody, and you should not try to be everybody's best friend because it's just not possible. Right. You can't. But, I mean, it's, yeah, and sometimes it's not, you know, it's socially acceptable to be, um, we'll just say, the guy that went out camping and, you know, him and his buddies from – college you know they drank three bottles of whiskey around the campfire not that they did anything crazy but you can't be that same 
personality necessarily in your workplace unless maybe you're a bartender or, you know, something right. where you can be like that or work like sell Harley Davidson's or something. Those guys always seem to, of course, that's the persona they're putting on as well, you know. Like right. They, they assume everybody's identity when they come in there to buy a motorcycle is going to be whatever it is they've been exposed to while they're doing that. And we it's, have um, pigeonholes in our mind of where we stick personas. I, I used to say people, like we would, we put people in places in our mind, and that is more evidence of the after the fact thing. But it's really like you have in your mind, you have what Eddie thinks of politicians. Maybe you have two pigeonholes, like for the ones who are for the things you like and then opposed. And then you, so no one exists in that entirely until they have demonstrated to you that they are the particular characteristic that's labeled below each pigeonhole. And the same goes with friends or customers or patients or anybody we interact with. And then we stick them in these places. Unfortunately, this is, I think, how humans work. It's nothing more um, relaxing, I guess you can say, is when you, especially I think when you are like um, going on a date with somebody like in your young life and you're, you're one person and as that relationship grows and as you get going on um, more and more dates, you become more of, I guess, your relaxed self, not your guarded self or your guarded identity. Um, right. There's nothing more relaxing than that goes away, than when that goes away. Right, it, it, because you're not being... I don't. You're you. You are your resume at the beginning. Uh, some people, you know, say, "Well, your best foot forward," or whatever. You know, you're hiding yeah, your flaws. First impressions. Mm-hmm. You're agreeing to everything, nearly. Um, maybe not to do things, but in, in anything that's non-committal of a conversation, you don't want to look like the abrasive. You know negative type and and those people that are uh-huh yeah right right you say those kind of things just to move the conversation it may not be anything that you necessarily agree with it's probably not something you're opposed to i don't know imagine anybody would do that but my uh my lovely wife jokes about this often anytime any friends or people we know are in the courtship and especially the early phases and i have Heard her say, and I'm sure if we were to bring her on, she would agree to this because it's always she is who she is with this, and that is, hey, X Y Z friend of ours, it's usually males, in in my case, you know, she's speaking for behalf of the ladies. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. No, but da 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 da, and she she really likes this and likes that, and she's like, yeah, that, that's what we do. <laughs> and I just find that funny. Um, and I don't really want to dissect all that into the specifics of those things, but it's it's just ex- the example mm-hmm. of what you're saying. We yeah. have the, the resume front or the easiest to get in camp with me front. And then as time goes by and you're like, hey, remember that thing you said? You really would like to go across the country on my motorcycle? Yeah. Can, can you take one of your friends? <laughs> what? Because yeah. if you are young in mind and or foolish uh, and you fall in love with the girl who's going to ride on the back of the motorcycle or, you know, flip it around. If she's she's up front and you're riding, however, anybody wants to do that. And that's not reality. Then that's like, whoa, you have fell in love with a persona that is not real or doesn't right. exist, at least in this case. It's like been lied to. <laughs> right. It's and also then interesting. Deception. It's also interesting to think about people that you only know. That you don't know, let's say you haven't, you know, known them a while, or you haven't really been around them in multiple circumstances. You only know them, say somebody you only that only comes over to barbecues, or somebody that 
you know, when you were in school that you only went out and had drinks with or um, whatever. It's interesting to me to always think, well, I wonder how that person is at work because they're, they're insane and goofy and always try to be the clown or the, the life of the party when they're right. around me. How do they act when they're getting scolded by their boss or whatever, trying not to get scolded by their boss? That's always interesting. Some people always find it humorous when they can't get past that. Like some people who only maybe even only know me for that. Like they only know me from social events and activities. And then I think I never could picture you doing what you do or, or just being serious in general. And when they do happen to come across me being that way, they just look at you with strange. It's like, well, don't you do that too? I mean, don't you, isn't that part of your life as well? I mean, it's always funny when I think people overreact to seeing a different hat someone's put on will say as the old saying goes it's like, don't you do that as well I, I would think everyone does but maybe there are some people who aren't as broad like the person they are at work isn't that much different from the person they are uh when they're with their friends and their parents right. and at church or whatever Is there I, anything I think more? Um, Go ahead. a rubber band i think if if everybody's a rubber band and i, I like that analogy and then I'll explain and that is it's one that you've cut into so not a circle and either side of the end of this rubber band are the extreme poles of that person or their niceness and gruffness or what however you need to visualize the good and the bad and some people's rubber band will stretch across the room and those are the ones that might be more surprising or maybe what you're talking about is one whose rubber band just doesn't stretch that much at all like literally they are who they are around you. They are who they are at their most stressed at work. And it, they don't get that stretched out of shape. And that's just part of who their personality is. A good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, maybe that same person is not able to experience all the same great highs, but at the same time lows as other people. But I don't know. That's kind of a way I visualize those folks. What about the awkwardness when you are having to be a different, what put on one of your other hats or other identities when you're around someone who's only seen one of your other identities, how awkward it can be. For instance, like um, going to school with people, um, you know, you were whoever you were in school with them and not saying just going out crazy partying, but, you know, studying, whatever y'all went and had lunch and, you know, just were socially friends. And then you have to like work a shift with them. So your personality at work or your identity at work now takes on the professional hat and you're only used to being social hat around that person, but both y'all are now having to be, professional or vice versa um it's like when coworkers always want to go out that's always awkward for me to go do social things from people at work because it's like it shoots holes it, it torpedoes your work persona so now your work persona or identity has had has been shot up because you've went and had a social event with them and, or either you don't totally let loose when you're at a social event with them so you're not, it's, it's all it's just uncomfortable to me when, when you cross things like that, that are extreme like that. To me, that's very extreme. There probably couldn't be anything more extreme for my um, social have fun, go out and enjoy myself identity and um, being professional at work identity. And I don't, everybody's extremities are different. Some people, well, that's, we would say something like, well, that's a shame. You need to, you should have a career where, you know, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. It's just, it's, right. it's different. And it, it's, 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 it's awkward. And it, and to a degree, I think it's your also definition of what it takes to be professional is to look this way, to talk this way, and to act this way. 
And that's going to be different for every person on the planet. And so if everybody has a different definition of that, and then they probably all have different definitions of that. Like some people probably think, uh, I read uh, one of these, you know, mass emails we all get in our, in your case, the medical field, it was about appearance in this particular article was about, uh, physicians and how the physician, um, is dressed and how they conduct themselves. The first time they meet a patient is a big thing. And this was wrote to physicians basically saying, you know, your first impression really impacts a lot of things. Now, I don't think that matters at all with a surgeon. These are one-off or maybe even multiple times, but not that any one of those guys or gals would, would want a patient or their family to think negatively. And it's just, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But where you're forming a relationship, whether it's uh, primary care or even a specialist where someone's going to be seeing you a lot, there is a lot to be said, at least from these professionals' point of view, as to how you come across. So, you know, having, managing your resources, uh, and being able to be professional, but yeah, like in, in, I think I heard, and I don't want to put words in your mouth to a degree, being professional is not being friendly. It doesn't mean the opposite though. It doesn't mean being unfriendly, but your idea and your existence as friends may be something that does not look what you consider professional. And like in my case, I think connectedness and and sort of friendliness are hugely important at work. There are boundaries to everything. And, and that is when you are over people, meaning, you know, a boss to underling situations or things like that, there are lines not to cross. Like you don't want to have best friend relationships with people that you're over at work. That that is just going to be a nightmare for you, if not them and everything involved forward. But even to back it away from that a few notches, you still have, you know, from a sterile person who is literally just the professional who has zero warmth, not that they're gruff or ugly. I'm just talking about the lacking of anything positive all the way to like the one who seems like everybody's best friend to work with. There are pluses and minuses to that whole spectrum, because if you're so warm and fuzzy and you're so easy to get along with, I have witnessed problems with discipline and problems with other coworkers taking advantage of these people. And then to flip that around, the ones who lack extreme i mean there is so deficient in some of the warmth of one human to another that yeah you won't get anybody taking advantage of you but at the same time you're not going to get the best out of that worker and that i think person, the sweet right, spot is somewhere person, in the middle that's that way um at work it would be that would be even more intriguing for me to be a fly on the wall as you will if you will um when they're relaxed and with so like i would like to see that person's their identity when they're around um, somebody that's not in a at friendly work situation. Or, yeah, in a different in different environment. That would be that would even that would be what we're talking about here. The the interesting the, it would intrigue me to see the differences because it would just prove the the multiple hats you put on. But I think mm-hmm. some of that, like the professional persona, like you're saying about physicians um, or whoever, um, certain things are expected of that person. And okay, you have certain stereotypes in your mind. Okay, this is how a doctor should be. And if they're not this way, exactly. are they really a doctor? Will they really know what they're or doing? Or are they a good Will doctor? I, you know? I mean, I see the paper on the wall, but did they, you know, I think people associate good or quality with a certain thing. Now, I bet right. if you and I were to go through the list, they're not going to be the same. Like you might picture a mechanic, a bus driver, or a nurse 
to the best version of those has a certain look and sound. And I bet my look and sound of those is at least slightly different than yours. Always. They're always going to be for sure. I think you're just, you know, you, uh, got to play into those stereotypes and then maybe as the relationship goes on with Dr. Pay, like I've had my same physician forever now, I would say I probably one of the <clears throat> patients he's had the longest in his practice. And he's definitely the doctor, doctor I've seen except for, I guess, pediatricians, which I don't remember as a kid. Right. Um, so he's a little different with me now um, than he would have been the first um, time we were seen. This also plays into something else that <laughs> I had to learn the hard way in my 20s um, was that, and I don't know if it's necessarily personas, but it's an interesting maybe tangent you could talk about that ties into this, is groups of friends don't always, like, I have my groups of friends from undergrad and my groups of friends from grad school, and where I liked each of them in equally i would on certain times or um a number of times would try to merge those together and have you know people from each group come together sure. it never really worked out quite right it was always it's like your favorite dishes like um you like this kind of food and this kind of dessert or maybe even these two kind of entrees well, i failed to think of examples you're a much better food person than me but you try to put two things together to, it's not like they're opposed you're not necessarily putting uh right. your favorite buffalo sauce on ice cream but you you want to bring these two main dishes together, and then you have them, and you're like, that didn't really add to the experience like I thought it would. Matter of fact, like it spaghetti made and my, Mongolian beef, <laughs> right? It it kind of clashed on the palate for you or them or everybody. And you would have thought otherwise. Sometimes it's just I guess it's just subtle differences in people. Because and I think that goes back to you only know the persona that they have let you see. Absolutely. And so you just you're just taking them what you're given, taking what the defense gives you as they say in football and putting these things together and it just didn't work out. Always found that to be intriguing. No, and and kind of want to take the pickaxe to uh, the miners cave that is mine and your soul. Have you witnessed seen or have evidence to yourself of your own personality. Like we have these different ones, or we'll call them the hats. We have the different hats that we wear right now, and we've we've worn hats forever. Like I remember being a child, I acted differently in front of my parents than I did in front of my friends, than I did in front of my friends' parents, than I did at church, or than I did. You know, there's all these different what probably are levels of expectations. And it wasn't that at eight years old that I was lighting my friend's hair on fire. And then in some cases where I would just pinch them, it, I don't know, there's a different tenor in the air based on the pigeonhole of, of in my head of wherever the, at that time would have been the adults were. And as you grow oh, older, I think that tenor is decided based on just the humans around you. It's not so much somebody's over you, but it's the other humans. Have you seen in yourself um, these things change. So we know we have multiple ones. And so there you change daily, like you can change in an hour after now, but are you the, the, um, I like to think of concentric circles in terms of an illustration, like you are the center of this being. And then there's the first ring around you that your friends, family, or whoever you have in your most intimate knowledge of you exist. And there's the secondary ring, tertiary and so forth and so on. And have you seen what are the characteristics of those rings about yourself change from eight year old to 15 year old to 25 year old to 35 year old? Yeah, I think so. Um, and 
strangely as this may sound, um, I have seen seen it go maybe, of course, as you grow up, you, you change, you get more mature. Um, but I have seen it go, we'll say outward. Whatever your and idea I've of that also is. also recently um, experienced it maybe going, regressing a little bit, going backwards. And what I mean, I guess just to get specific about it, is um, I have family who live out of state. Um, we were talking about this the other day, and I recently had to go down there and see all of them. And I, you know, growing up, I saw them at least twice a year. But, you know, as I became an adult and work and everything like everyone else, I don't see those family members. And they're not like distant family members. It's, uh, you know, my mom's family. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, I'd see them maybe once every 10 years, maybe every now and then, you know, just at things like weddings and funerals right. and so on and so forth. And, I always tried to be a certain person, you know, around them, be good, be whatever I was as a kid, you know. And then when I got into college, became an adult, graduated, um, of course, I acted more adult around them, um, was more open, just was myself now. I felt less judged, I guess you could say, by them um, when I was around them. Not that, you know, all this is bad. I don't want to make them sound like judgy people. But, you know, we're talking about our, our identities that we let others see, how we let mm-hmm. them into our circle. And then a time period went for a while where I hadn't even been around them. Um, for a long time, so it's like we well, got to re, you got to re um, kindle those relationships, and so I, I wasn't as this last time I saw him, which was just a few weeks ago, probably the first time I'd seen him in maybe ten years. Some of them, um, I, I was even thinking about it while I was there, like I was just kind of being more quiet, being more like I would have been um, twenty years ago when I would have been around him. I mean, you know, I don't know if that's because maybe I expected or I, I thought that's how they would expect I would be, or maybe I just didn't want to seem abrasive or whatever it was, but for sure I see it change. I mean, I think everyone changes with whether it's something like that or, you know, the longer you've been at a job, the more different you are, the more different identity you put on to your coworkers. Um, and although that's not exactly what we're talking about, but it is, you know, like I say you went in and took over, became um, a manager of a new job. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to go in there and be a um, new sheriff in town in some case, some, maybe some cases you do, um, Such a bad tenor if you start that day one, right? Especially and, and if, some might disagree with us, but, but yeah, definitely since, our point of view. And sometimes maybe that's what's needed. But I think you know, so you slowly roll into that. So the person that you are after a year on the job, if you're in charge, or if, even if you're not in charge, is going to be a different person from what you were when you started. And I don't think any of this is groundbreaking. Everybody kind of knows this, but I don't think they really ever. I wonder if people ever think about it, or other people. That's my wonder. point exactly. So many things that I enjoy. Just, you know, hacking apart and throwing the pickaxe with you are, you know, if you want to listen to expert conversations, there's literally hundreds of thousands of those that exist. But what I find that connects people together are things that we all have in common. And so these are all just thoughts that I have that I realize as my own identity has examined itself with time, weird thoughts and questions and, and awkwardness. These are all things we all have in common. Now, there may be people who have never thought of, but they're aware of, these hats and all these things, and they've just never, you know, thought, you know, nothing wrong with that. Some people are just entirely sufficient in themselves and in their life, and these are, I'm not talking about bad folks or anything. They're great workers. They're great spouses. They're great friends, and they don't ever question anything about their operations, Ah, unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe it will add to good conversation. I am a person that 
my head never stops. And that is uh, possibly a blessing, but definitely a curse because if it's something I'm worrying about or just any nuance about myself as a younger person, it drove me insane thinking that I was so weird or different than everybody else. And then you get older and you get more friends and people. The more and you, you realize, realize everyone's, yeah. Everybody's kind of messed up and has <laughs> weird ways of looking at things. And then, so two things. One, I think all these things are interesting. And I found that a lot of people agree with me to that. And two, if there's anybody who ever hasn't realized that yet, one of the things that you will find if you haven't already seen in me, and one of my best friends knows this, is I am, my first job outside of my working for my dad was a lifeguard. And that is odd in this, in this sense that it is the symbol for how I go through the world. I don't know why, you know, why we are who we are is a great conversation that I don't know if any of us are smart enough or have the education to dig into, but it's still fun to pick at. And that is, I don't like to see people stranded in the virtual sense. And if there's a, you know, a patient, a customer, a friend that's d struggling with X, Y, or Z, if it's something that I have any experience with, I'm diving in with them as deep as they want to dive. Or if it's something that I know, uh, you know, friends who are in the business of being uh, family and friend or children counselors, I was, Hey, you need to talk to this person. They are going to help you with this because I just, it, it's one of the worst things I think in existence is to suffer alone. And, you know, and some of these things, we're not talking about suffering, but it's just like, hmm, I have this peculiar thing about me. Wait, other people are this way? Huh. How about that? You can relate to other people now a little bit better and you realize you're not as messed up as you thought you were. Or the, the comfort is we're all messed up. I don't know how you want to look at that. Relating to other people is what it's all about. Absolutely. Where, what is your earliest recollection of, oh see um, now you're getting in my wheelhouse <laughs> I, I consider of, myself to have a great memory although uh to plug some really interesting stuff have you watched the netflix series that i recommended to you called explained um i had seen some of those already but not a lot of it i, there, I don't think i've watched one or two episodes there's a subset like the show itself is called explained and netflix is right. not now yeah, we're not getting any money here but i just like to share good stuff the subset series, which I want to say is... You're not getting any money from them? I guess not yet. Not yet. Oh. <laughs> uh, the subset series of Explained is called Mind, not Comma Explained. So it's like the same thing where Explained is basically a 22 to 25 minute show where they deep dive something, but they're only doing it in a 22 to 25 minute format. So it's not a full on two hour documentary about, in this case, there was one about memory as all these different pieces of the mind they were talking about. And I highly recommend anybody listening that, that, that has an interest at all in how the brain works, your own mind, your memory works to uh, go through those things because it will, I think it will make you second guess everything about your existence oh yeah yeah you're, when you remember something you're just remembering the last time you remembered it yep. but what i was going to say about that though <clears throat> that ties into what we're talking about what is your earliest recollection of realizing that people have different hats like for example mine was i couldn't have been maybe five six maybe seven years old all that you know runs together like it does i'm sure with everyone mm -hmm. um i spent a lot of times i didn't go to a babysitter or well i did it was just my granddad um, so I spent a lot of time with my granddad and my grandma, but mostly my grandfather because he'd be the one getting out, you know, doing things, and I'd always want to go with him. And I guess I was of that age, um, five to seven, we'll say, and, you know, I just knew him as granddaddy, and he was a certain way to me. He was the same way around 
aunts and uncles, I guess. Um, I did notice it a little bit with them that he was a little different, but the, I guess when it really struck me, and of course you're talking about a child's brain, mm-hmm. um, not as sophisticated. We were just at a store, and um, we were talking about getting some kind of more information about something, like some literature, he called it. And we went to a store. I don't know if it was about a weed eater or who right. knows what we were doing at the house. And the way he was talking to the salesperson or the associate or whatever they were at the store, um, getting things from them. Like he would ask a question, and I noticed how you know he'd be quiet and let them talk, and he kind of laugh at stuff that I didn't think he would have thought was funny. And I was like, you're hmm. you're like, seeing one of his different hats, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's the earliest time. I remember that happening and me actually thinking as a person saying, hmm, and I guess I didn't analyze it as much then, but I noticed it and I didn't know what to say right. or call it in my own mind because you know, your vocabulary and your That's not the way granddad capacities are, Yeah, it's like he's a, uh, hmm. And that, I guess, shows how, and I guess I just thought that's how you acted to people and I started noticing it more. Started act, that's just how you should act to people who are strangers. Just be friendly and, mm-hmm. you know, your interactions with them. I mean, that can go off on a whole other tangent, like why some people maybe aren't very nice or very good at interacting because they haven't had good examples. But that's the earliest I can remember seeing the other seeing someone else do personality. it. At least, yeah, like I respect it. Uh, good question. All right, so I have lots of early memories, or to plug in the Netflix series, my version of those memories. Let me see. Uh... I would think my dad is a great example. So he owned for 40 years, he had his own uh, independent pharmacy, which is a very social job, meaning you're dealing with the public, as everybody would know what a retail pharmacist does. And anybody who has ever met or been around my dad would know him as just a quiet, you know, the the quiet man, Um, not anything negative about him he is a has an incredibly big heart but because he's not gonna just ramble on like i might be apt to do or anybody who's real easy to chat sometimes in life that has been perceived at least in me because i am such a blend of my parents that if you're not real chatty the perception is you are hard to get to know, you are, are abrasive, or you're mean, or any variety of things. This is, you know, what I'm getting through childhood, adulthood, teenage, whatever, from other people around me that I did not just welcome with open arms. So that his two personas are quiet and not necessarily conversation generating. If you and I left right after this and went to my house and spent the day with my dad and you generated conversation with him, you'll find he will talk to you the entire day. He will be very friendly. He will have stories for you and all these things. But that is his his default around family and friends is not going to be the reach out. Well, with the job, you you can't necessarily exist that way because you have to, you know, foster relationships with people for your own business. You have to communicate as a professional being a pharmacist or whatever you may be to, to garner a certain amount of information. But in that proper retail sense of a pharmacist, you, you kind of have to be friends with everybody because one, it's going to make your business better. But it also connects people, and that's one of the big things, kind of going back to what was in some of that article about the physicians. That connection is what people want. People want it in relationships of, of social networks for sure, 
but people really want that in their professional sense. Um, I'm not saying everybody wants their surgeon to be their best friend, but when you have a connection with people, it validates you. And yeah, they want to be understood. So like you know, absolutely. they feel like you know the problem or whatever they're talking about, not necessarily a problem. He, so he would have much more of, uh, well, I always joke about people that are uh, salesman like i have some best friends that are in sales for a living and i call it the chamber of commerce attitude like they're welcoming to everyone there are always the friendliest people at church or in crowds to the first person to reach out and shake your hand and all these things he was much more of that at, at work than he ever was at home and i remember you know as you're you know, going from being born you're a baby and you, you might be in and out of your dad's workplace with your mom you know, I have a lot of fuzzy memories about going in and out of his workplace. But then the older I got, the more I would not have a chance or spend more time there. And you would see all these things. And at times you would also see things uh, that aren't always positive because not everything in life is positive. And at times you have to deal with people and things negatively. And you see that as well. And I going back to some thoughts that you triggered, maybe even things you said about people seeing people in different situations. I wonder how my entire network of friends and associates would act if, or what the response would be if I could read thought bubbles, if they witnessed me at work, because work is incredibly stressful for me. And I know it is for everybody, but in my biased opinion, I think what uh, both you and I do is on the edge of some of the most stressful things and dealing with humans in not always their best mindset and their best personality is not always presented to you and I and we're trying our best to deal with that and be professional at the same time yep uh, just to validate what you said of course everyone's going to think they have it bad whether they're a server or whatever and it's everybody does was, at some point you know right, that's not to do, say that every, every job that. has a downside for sure I was watching something last night I don't know if it was YouTube or what it was um, but it was talking about um air traffic controllers and mm-hmm. um and how stressful it is and how it's the highest legendary for rate stress and right all yeah and all that and i remember and i wasn't even thinking about any of that i was just sitting there thinking that job seems all right because <laughs> <laughs> you know compared and i know what's i'm not totally ignorant to it i get how stressful it could be You're but just I was, managing you know, souls in a big tube in the sky right life or death and i was thinking mm-hmm. and i was watching That's how all. they how they restrict flights in Europe because it's, you know, they only have so many air traffic controllers, so on and so forth. The point, my point was though, just to validate you for a second was I thought that might be a good change of pace if I ever wanted a different <laughs> career. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. wow, if you maybe I just to, worry uh, too much. I don't lighten know. <laughs> the stress load. You should take on a hobby like air traffic control <laughs> at say LaGuardia or DFW right. or something. <laughs> But I guess the some of it that's irritating about some of it is just interruption. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. But something that you said just now, or something that made me think, talking about people who are quiet and people who aren't, maybe they're, maybe they can't as easily change um, identity Hats. gears. Yeah, like they, I have a set of in laws, and I won't say which one, and I have a million of them. So if any of them are listening, mm. of course they'll all think it's them, but none of them will Mysteries know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> they. Um, are they're nice they're nice people um but they are kind of quiet and i guess that's true for a lot of in-laws how they are but this particular set um uh, they're very hard to 
to talk to, not because they're mean or anything, but they just don't kind of open up very well. And I wonder Lack if that's some because, warmth in conversation? Uh, sort of. If they do talk, it's not unfriendly. It's just they don't ever say much. And I wonder right. if that is because either A, they're not good at switching identity gears or they're just more guarded. Maybe they don't have as many identities or they're not as, they haven't, they don't, you know, they, maybe they only have a, they have a fewer number of them. So they want to keep it maybe simple with whoever and they don't, so they don't have as many identities they can change between. And they just, before they let you in, you know, they want to know more. Um, That makes you, makes me wonder about that. Maybe they're just not good at switching identities or as good as some people. My first impression of what you're saying is they are, my rubber band analogy they're the short rubber band or long or whatever but it's one that's not going to stretch the poles very far like it's a very strong rubber band that's not gonna it's not gonna get out of its zone of you know the rubber band measures four inches and you might be able to pull out a half inch on either side and make it hey it's a five inch rubber band now right for sure so that's probably what it is with them and it, you know it's nothing nothing bad with them or anything no it's just, it's just who we how, are that's how they are. That's how their their children are, and um, I guess it's just a learned behavior. They definitely aren't as, at least for me, I'm, I th- I feel like I have a ten speed gearbox when it comes to being able to switch identities. I guess I always have. have you all, I was going to ask, have you always had that? Because I am, who I am today is not the opposite. Because that's bizarre, and people speak so much in hyperbole. But um, I am a lot different way different would even be too much but i'm a lot different than i was in my 20s and i validate this in the fact that i i question my wife to death at times when i when i want to dig in and pick on myself whether it's friends or spouse or whoever i'll ask you know in these certain ways do you see me different now than you once did because I do. I remember how I felt and how I reacted to things or how I was guarded in lots of ways that I'm I'm just not now. I'm way, I consider myself, I don't know what the memes are out there, but I consider myself more relaxed, more able to talk to people and get to know people and more willing to do X, Y, and Z. Kind of what we were talking about with the food palette before. Um, I'm much more willing to explore things Whereas before, I might have more of a heel digging in thing with my personas as well as my palate. And I think, I think that this be, is age. I think, yeah, I would think that would be natural, a natural growth of a person who doesn't have any type of hindrances where they, they're not able to expand. That's normal. Um, and I just grew you, tired of myself. As yeah, weird well, as that yeah. sounds, I grew tired. I, I want to share these because I, these are just things I've going back to the lifeguard thing i think it's incredibly important for people to examine their self not necessarily daily with a big comb and things but it's the end of the year you know a new year's coming around and people talk about uh, resolutions and change and goals i love that stuff so you know before we wrap up today if you want to circle the wagons back to that i i it will tickle my fancy at the same time i have friends that are like reserve you know resolutions are dumb and the goals are this you are who you are and that's it and these are good friends of mine uh, so I don't agree with that, um, but if you're you know you're that way and you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. We won't hit that again. But um, with that being said, the looking at yourself and examining yourself, you will learn a lot about who you are and why things have happened the way they have happened in life. And if there are things that are happening socially or work wise or romantically that aren't 
what you want them to be. And that doesn't necessarily mean those, all those are their failures. It might mean you want to have a better relationship with your wife or you want to have a better review with your boss. Look at yourself in their lens the best you possibly can. Think about, that's where I come up with that flip book analogy. It's like, you know, we, we all have jobs and we, we all have boss of some kind, unless it's, you know, we own our own business and those people are their own exception. But the rest of us have a place we work. It's owned or ran by somebody else. And there's people who are over us and you have reviews and depending on your career and all these other things, whether those reviews have a deep impact or a shallow impact, it's kind of like a meteorite in mine and your career. Those things used to be just dents on the tin. Now these are nearly life and death, I think. And when I started seeing that forming, I started looking at, all right, my relationship with my superior right now is this. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. I was always just like, whatever happens, happens. Like first impressions, natural impressions are just what they are. And I shouldn't mess with this. But then I started thinking, oh, this ain't what I wanted to be. Then I need to start looking at myself because you can't change how someone else hears the music or watches the movie, but you can change the movie or the song you're giving them so i started looking at how i was playing the music and like is this music too loud i'll turn it down if you don't like a cello then i'll throw a guitar in here (laughs) and all these you know weird ways of analogously speaking about myself is i just really started looking at myself now maybe all you people have done that your whole life and i'm like the late bloomer as i am in so many things but i find it intriguing that when i do talk to people about this i kind of get a deer in the headlights look whether they're so guarded they want to go into it or they just never done it i interestingly enough i feel like i have a little bit gone the other way i feel like i becoming more guarded no not more guarded but not not um, we'll say um, uh, creating an identity for people either at work or wherever because it's so exhausting, especially depending on how different the identity is from your what true your core identity. feels or, like. Or, right, yeah. So to try to be too, um can't think of the word, accommodating, I guess, to what you would expect they would want you to be after a while. It, yeah, it's exhausting. So, well, I, I I see that, and um, my wife, who I think you and her might parlay over in very common ground on this particular thing, it, it, you know, I spoke and said these things, so now whatever you say is comparator to that, and I I get that because of how rigid I was and my rubber band didn't stretch very far for so long. That was a needed and good thing for me. It might be that you were always, you might be just so accommodating that like. My, my wife, I tell her, hey, you, you got to say no to, to some more things because she is so great at trying to accommodate everybody's requests, wants, and or things in this life that I will watch it physically exhaust her. And if you are mm-hmm. saying the same thing, sort of, and that is these accommodations just wipe you out. I, maybe that, that's even a good thing as well. It's not like we all need to grow, meaning in my direction. That is definitely not what I'm trying to say. Right. Well, it's just, you know, you you want to have the persona that, you know, you're willing to do this, you're willing to have change and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But at some point, though, you have to, you know, this is this is the limit of what I'm able to do. And you can't just be a yes, sir, to everything. Oh, no, to, that is terrible. But you also don't want to be the guy or the girl who 
is always a no person. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. You want right. to, you know, you've got to find a way. So I've just, yeah, with with increased workload and whatnot, I've kind of felt like I, and I guess just that's how you are when you get older too. They say people, they call it, they talk about grouchy old people and, you know, crotchety old men and curmudgeons and whatnot. And, and I think psychologists, if there ever are any listeners, are like, you guys are idiots. We have all the answers to this and we have since the 70s. Mm, if they're I would love to have like, them in here with us. <laughs> they would say, that I think what I at least what I had read a long time ago is that they haven't really gotten any grouchier. They just kind of went back to their core person. Like are they less tolerant of, um, or maybe not tolerance the right word. They're just less accommodating to annoying things. I, and I have a well, as they say, a take on this, and that is, I think, in as you see people age. What I, my observation of that, not that yours is right or wrong, and maybe these are going to be so parallel they'll mix, but that you're right in, I think, that they are less accommodating to more morphing of themselves. They're they're accommodating up to the extent that they've always been accommodating, but they're just not going to accommodate anymore. Like, that that's, you know, this rubber band is not getting any stretch here. It's 75. It's just what it is. Yeah. But I also think that I had a uh, really good friend of mine uh, who was in super smart and everything. He was tested genius level, top of his class in professional school, so forth and so on, and was impeccably social because he was driven to greatness in every avenue, not just the typical genius who has no social skills whatsoever. And he once told me we were talking about some kind of issue. I don't remember what it was, where it dealt with people in higher levels and questions and permissions and things and that his answer was it's easy to lead saying no and by that he meant was if you're the head of an organization if you're the head of something at work if you're the head over certain things at church or whatever you aren't committing whatever those things are you're responsible for church work whatever it is to anything new so therefore you're not overextending the budget, you're not overextending other resources or people or anything like that. It's easy to lead when your answer is always no. And I think that is very similar. It may not be the exact same thing, but it's sort of a parallel or congruent kind of thing to what you were saying. As we age, I think we become more easy we're leading our troops if you will, meaning ourselves, our resources and our personalities, the the leader of that group is going to more apt to say no just because it's easier to not have to take on another persona or to change hats so quickly or whatever that is. It doesn't mean you're saying no all the time to everything, but it is saying no to more changing of a rubber band. Right. And it's funny, you're talking about less, you know, being that way as you get older, but the flip side of the coin and not necessarily younger or anything because, you know, we're, we've, I think we've pretty much established that, for the most part, people realize they have these different identities. But at the same time, you know, you have people who you would consider are fake or they, they get that label put on them or, you know, when somebody's being too nice, you know, you can't read them. Or, oh, there's a purpose they, for that. they this identity. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, maybe they're doing it on purpose or maybe it's how they are. I had a friend in school who was a super nice guy and blah, 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 and you just, it was so, it was so much, he laid on so thick, that sometimes I thought, is he being a smart aleck? Like, is he, right? like, yeah, like, so, it, but that was just how we, that's the hat he put on to other people and strangers, and the more you got to know him, the, the 
he was still just as nice, but he would say stuff that would be kind of you wouldn't have thought would be part of his persona. I, th- I think as far as the Mister Nice Guy for me in the beginnings of this sort of uh, you know in the beginning of life, you're you're a caterpillar, and when you decide or whether you get to decide or not, but when the chrysalis forms and you have, you know, gone on to your branch in the world and you're going to go from the pupa and or this caterpillar and you're going to grow into this butterfly and turn into the next thing, whenever that happens, it might be 30s. And then from my case, at least in this vein of looking at yourself, because I think there's so many personalities that are just the product of being, uh, for example, I have a eight year old now and 11 year old, he'll be 12 coming up. And in their life, I have witnessed the different personalities that are age related. They definitely have their different, their own personalities as two human individuals. And as a baby, you get to see how they are as a baby and everybody that's a parent knows that not one baby is the exact same as others. A lot of similarities, but their personality is amazing how early it is in there. And before I ever had kids, I used to think uh, personality is going to be determined somewhat kind of like one of our earlier talks about the DNA, you know, nurture and nature. You got the nature that's there and then nurture just decides, you know, how they're reared and things, uh, their personality is going to come out. And I would see certain things in my son that were way ahead of the, what I would consider something he could have picked up. Like there are just things he reacted to as a young child or baby that are personality traits that still carry on today. So I know I wasn't just observing some weird nuance, same with my daughter. And to, to bring this back around to the different hats and personalities, every grouping of time. And as babies, they, they have a lot of them because they're growing faster than literally grow any other time in your life. And then as you get to your, your, uh, toddler, two, three-year-old up to pre-kindergarten, so four or five, maybe hit to six mark. There's a personality type in there. And people could divide these down and, and pull even more cards out of the deck, but I'm just trying to be general and move. And then you have at least the elementary school version, which and we, we've had discussions with this. And where I'm from, elementary school was kindergarten through fourth grade, middle school was fifth through eighth grade, and then high school was nine through 12 or freshman to senior, just as what I'm referring to. And in those different schools, you have at least a big chunk of a different personality because you have the kindergarten through fourth grade, which is just a young human developing, growing, adding more to their walking, talking skills and other things. And then as you get to that middle school, now you've got a little human that hormones are starting to get dumped into. So now that really affects attitude and their persona. And then you get to the quote young adult as some people would call them which seems bizarre but as the high school age where they are you know in terms of chemically they're a lot more like what they're always going to be their face and body will change as they age of course but a lot of times you know things have evened out now and it's not such big swings and all these things happening and then there's the your 20s your 30s you probably could call these things decades maybe you could chop it up in other pieces but each one of those segments the hat is different. And I don't mean the the, the base like, hat. You mean yeah, sort the, of, the core yeah. of this concentric circle tree. And, you know, if you're looking at the the core of the tree is the center, and that's what is all of quote us. That changes each one of those times that go by. 
Now, it changes more for people and less for others just because whatever, how they're made up, and if they've ever looked at themselves. I, I think when you start doing that um, in your 30s and beyond, that's when you can have more changes that maybe you would have already started settling into the lead by no thing or less apt to do this or that. You kind of just get in the groove of being the human you are, right. and that's where you're going to be until you start looking at things different. Do you got anything to add or change to that? Well, that brings up something else. I don't know how much longer we want to talk about it, but it brings up something as far as identity, um, putting on your hat or choosing your identity, not necessarily you choosing it, but what others choose your, what is socially acceptable for the identity that they know of you. And what I mean is you're talking about school. So, you know, in school people had, they were the smart kid or they were the athlete or they were the band kid or they were the art kid or whatever they were, mm -hmm. that identity would lock them in to a certain stereotype. And it was always funny for me. I was always in band from the beginning all the way up, which oddly enough, I hated music class in elementary school. But once I got to band in middle school, it was I stayed in it all the way through college. Um, I really enjoyed it. But I would see people who, um, because of others, I guess, the stereotype of their identity as a band kid, felt like they couldn't be in band and they'd be also part of the cool kid crowd or couldn't, you know, play athletics. or like The jock who's also whatever. a band geek was probably right, a weird which, dichotomy. Right. Well, but the thing is, that really does exist. But because those people thought they couldn't have that dual identity, they would quit band. And they were excellent at band. They were good at whatever instrument they played. Um, and they were good at whatever um, other thing they wanted to do. But because that identity they thought they couldn't do both like we had plenty of people who um there weren't a lot of football overcross in high school with bam just because um the practices and stuff it, were all right. at the same time right but there were a ton of kids who played baseball and soccer and whatever else and were in both but there were just some kids who just thought no i don't want to be I don't want to wear that band kid hat, so I'm going to stop being in band. And there was vice versa. There were kids who I think were interested in being in band, um, but because they didn't want to have it's that not a persona they wanted hat. to put on. Right. They but and just because and they they gave into that. They didn't want to. They did something that they probably wished they would have pursued more, and they just didn't because of the restrictions that were put on it socially by others. Um, in that situation and there were people who didn't give a crap who did whatever they wanted whatever made them happy and I always um envied those folks I mean I I was that way to an extent I like to think we all think we were a little bit but I think everyone also more more than they want to admit gave in to the social pressures of this is your identity so this is how you have to be right but I, I thought about that for a long time I've experienced it firsthand you know people um because of the identity of being whatever um they they want to wear a different identity hat, or maybe it's not because of a restriction. They just want to change, you know, because you become a teenager, you want to be rebellious, or you want to change who you are, you want to find yourself, or right. whatever it is, you know. And then maybe some people, like, stuck with band through college because that was what they who they were, and they weren't willing to go out and try to find something different or be a different person. Because, you know, when I got to, to college, yeah, I, was, I had been in band this whole long time, but it didn't really define me as a person. It was... It was just part of something I was doing. Um, I knew plenty of people because that's all they were. They went on to be like music majors. So now they're like band directors. And it's like, well, did you like it that much? Or was it because you didn't know how to 
expand beyond that. And that just became your persona or your identity. And so now that's just what you are forever. I'd like to ask them. A lot, and whether they'd answer you honestly or not, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts and questions. Maybe they themselves don't know. That generated out of this part. And that is, so there's um, ideas or perceptions to personas that exist in the world, not necessarily yours yet, because you haven't taken on the hat of being a band member or a baseball player or whatever that may be. Um, so that, though, uh, ideas, not necessarily the personas themselves, but the idea or the drawing on the wall, so to speak, of what a band member looks like, a football player looks like, and all these things, to some degree dictates who would even want to be part of or to want to take on and have that as one of their personas. Do you think that is um, better tolerated now than, uh, you know, I was in high school for all reference points of, you know, I graduated in 92 and you graduated in what, 98? Yeah. So for 90s through and through, you know, this for relative sake, I wonder who, if I'm about it's, to ask a question that I wonder if it's just because we are in our forties now, or is it really better? So I think that there's so many more pieces of what you can be part of socially now in school. I remember, uh, you know, that goth, uh, that was something that did not exist when I was in <laughs> high school. And I remember some really? seeing people it, after that. Yeah, I guess it yeah, was. Mid-90s. It was. Yeah. Um, it was more of the stereotypical, so uh, Nerds, bands, jocks, meaning whichever of the sports you belong to. Some did everything, but most had their niche. Uh, where right. I'm from, football was not great. Uh, I mean, these, I had friends that played. They're great people, but it just wasn't what we were known for. Had a great team thereof. Yeah, um, our team was terrible, but yet those guys still acted like they were state champions sometimes. <laughs> the basketball team was great, and the baseball team was maybe somewhere in between. or lower. And that's what I played was baseball. Um, but nevertheless, um, there's all those different varieties, but there's there was few. Uh, compared to what I think now, one nerd is cool. I mean, there's so many series oh, and yeah. shows and yeah. all these things that nerd became like a marketed thing in movies and TV series, and the the identity is totally flipped around. Um, that it's not a negative connotation or at least neutral one. Whether it was ever negative or neutral, it probably depends on where you're from and who you are. Um, it. It definitely seems to me that they have put that forward, that it is more acceptable to have multiple, to be in all those different groups now and, and to be more socially acceptable of different things. And whether all of that's good or bad, that could be a, not just one episode, but a whole right. series of podcasts in and of itself. But, and I think the but idea of acceptance that seems to be also being pushed forward. Um, and so I think there, uh, you know, there are people that are more accepting of, I, I just really hesitate to dip my toe into this pool. So I'm going to really dance around the edge of it. And that is from my vantage point. And it is just one and I'm just who I am. But it seems that all the different types of identities of, that make up our country. I can't speak to the world. I can't even really speak to a whole lot outside of our own state. But just, you know, Region, our, yeah. everything seems to be better than it was going backwards in big blocks of time now you might be able to go back and look at singular years where this that and the other was better and then there was that one thing where you know right. the country got divided about this bad thing in the news between this group and that group and i'm really speaking generically because i don't want to 
I don't want to ostracize anybody. I don't want to put anybody on any kind of page and in our conversation, but I think everybody can just think about what I'm talking about or examples thereof. And with that being said, we're, we're, I think more tolerant to, uh, so many things now with certain political climates, I think that generates sort of a regress at least in the social media side, whether that's real or not, because we've all said or we've all heard people say, you're either one of these two people, people would not talk to me like that in real life, or I wouldn't, you know, listen to somebody very long who's talking to me, whatever side you are on of that. And I know it's totally true. Nobody is going to, next to nobody, is going to act in real life like they do in social media, which is so bizarre oh, to absolutely. me. Absolutely. Keyboard heroes. Yeah. And, if it's anybody under the age of accountability, 2018, 25, whatever number you want to put on that, I give them a pass, even though it's not acceptable and it, it could be something that's very raunchy or atrocious. But a grown people who have their grown person picture avatar there that say the most heinous things to any incident grouping of people or whatever, it's like, you would not do that in front of these people or this person. <laughs> Uh, you know, outside of the exceptions, as there is to everything, there is one that you just wouldn't. And so right. that almost uh, social media is almost the magnifying glass of the worst pieces of human beings, because the worst piece of you being your ugliest thing you could say to any group of people. Well, you're just not going to do that, except if you don't have to verbally articulate it, you'll jot it down. Ugh. Anyway, I, I love yeah. all the good things that go with That's all a, that. But right. in the acceptance of every different kind of grouping or stereotype or group or identity, which is a very hot button word, and I haven't even broached on that, but the ideas of identity in our culture, um, really, really coarse people will say is under attack. I don't, I don't like using that because I don't believe that to be true. I think people who are, I think there are people who do attack everything because I think those are, that's just who they are in this world. They attack everything, they're trolls or so forth and so on. But there are people who are on the different side of an idea than you that they're not there to attack or tear down what, you know, it used to be marriage was a common thing that people said in, in the media. And there, so marriage is under attack because of what, fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that person uh, often those other people that are part of the two opposing parties, one believes things should be one way. The other has felt slotted in this world and wants things to be more even to everyone else. And that's just the truth. Now you it's can the- look at it like the destruction of what once was to replacing and destroying everything. And that is catastrophizing. And I do not like things that get catastrophized. I think the best, the most PC way I could put that as far as um, acceptance of different identities, which, you know, goes all the way back to what we were talking about with being a band person and an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very good things that come of that from being more accepting of the different identities. But I guess the best way I think can, I can put it intelligently would be it creates new complexities that may have certain outcomes that were unexpected that may not be positive or maybe you just got to work through them as the evolution of humans maybe they will be one day um it's just a growing pain you've got to get through can i pain uh, you to I, make an example in the um, most analogous way you can without you know dipping into offensive toe and anything sure well like so what you're taught to be accepting of everyone at school to um you know uh 
be open-minded, you know, don't judge this person or judge that person. But when, uh, so somebody's been exposed to that for their entire life. Like we obviously were not like certain things were not acceptable. Right. Whether, no matter what it was when we were young. Yeah, it was not tolerated so to talk up. ugly to anybody. That That's never been okay. Right. Yeah, or just, you know, just other things in general. Um, so the example I was getting at, though, would be a person who has always been around where everything's acceptable and this is okay and, you know, this is fine. This person is who they are and you just have to accept it. Well, when that person gets moves on to, let's say, the workforce and they go to a job mm. and like no where there you are can't boundaries actually, because of the job yeah, you can't actually be that person you can't just you have to have yeah like social boundaries or you can't you have to come to work on time you have to be there when you're expected to be there and yeah it's been accepted oh that you you know this is how i did it well and it you know everyone we were open-minded to people being themselves and being an individual and this is how i did and this is how i've always done it before and well, now that you're here, this is how we do it, and this is how we need you to do it for reasons X, Y, and Z. And I think there's a lot of people who can't handle that now when they get out and they realize, oh, I mean, it's not all about me, and I'm, everything I do isn't accepted. Um, it can cause issues that way. So that's the negative side of it. I think you make and, an excellent point with that, and I think there are two chords of opposites that are hiding behind this cloud we're talking about and that is the acceptance for and i'm going to go on the danger limb you how you look how you act as long as we're talking within the acceptance levels of society and the acceptance levels of a workplace in general as long as you're within these parameters of what i'm talking about and you're on time you know it doesn't matter uh, whether you're a man, woman, or have whatever identity you do or don't want to have with that, you need to be on time. Those have nothing to do with gender. Those have nothing to do with religion. Those have nothing to do with uh, more or less uh, body decorations or appearance. Uh, there's a general appearance that's expected at any job because typically there's a uniform, even it, whether you're tearing right. tickets at the movie theater or you're helping at the emergency operation room. There is a certain decorum and physical detail to everybody, and and there's so there's standards is not the right word, but there's certain things that you just have to do. You have to wear scrubs. You don't wear scrubs. And it's because of the social, um, and I'll let you finish, but it's because of the social, what they expect, the expectance of what that person that does this job's identity should be, not whether it's right or wrong. That's just what it is at this moment in society. They expect this person to look this certain way. And if you don't, then that they may not want your services or they may not believe that you are what you say you are. But anyway. And I, and I think that is changing rapidly. I think if we polled a thousand people and we did our best to have the thousand people, you know, not all be white dudes or, you know, you know, and I freely can pick on white dudes because you and I both are. Um, any, you know, trying to make our sampling pool as diverse as possible. I think we will find that everybody has an idea of what um, X, Y, or Z should appear to be, meaning your your professional appearance. And it's going to have a variety. And, to, and I'm okay with whatever, but meaning as long as we exist within the bounds of our what each set of duties or work operation or whatever 
in no means and no way are anything I saying or you saying that is like, well, people can't, you can't be who you want to be because that is going to go contrary to this job. I think people take, for example, things like, you know, that existed and still does racism and things like that. And they'll take and twist their version of how they want to act at work or how they want to appear at work or whatever and make it some sort of weird comparison to that. No, if you're going to be part of the surgical OR team, you are going to wear scrubs and you're going to wear these goofy shoes that we consider sterile and you scrub in and all these things. And that's just part of the job. It has nothing to do with, I don't want to accept your hair your hat or you know you got a beard and i'm asking you to cover it but these are all these are all job related things and that's that's what it is it's not a it's not by the intention which i think is everything in the world is intentions it's not by the intention to infringe upon your identity right well speaking of i mean so we're talking about identity these things all are supposed to be an expression of who you are so i always thought it was funny or i don't know I don't know the right word when people would get all upset. So you get these tattoos, um, nose piercings or whatever kind of piercings. And, you know, there's there's not saying there's anything wrong with any of that, but I thought that the whole point that you, the reason why you got those things and you dressed the way you did and the, the, the um, identity that you presented to the world was supposed to be what you wanted people to see is you but then, so you do that, you dress this way, you get these tattoos in certain places that aren't traditional or whatever, and piercings. You do all that to express yourself, to say, hey, this is me. But then you turn around and say, don't judge me because I have these. And to me, I feel like, well, I, I'm not saying judging someone is good, but if you're doing something to express yourself, then how can you say don't judge me like how can if you're doing something to say this is me then how can you tell somebody well don't look at that and just judge me based on that are you just trying to make people think more complexly about image um maybe you are but i don't think that you can have both sides of the coin there like you can't you can't have um tattoos on your eyelids and your face and then turn around and say well, you should not hire me because some people who have these are X, Y, and Z. It was well, but you did that to express a certain persona that you want expressed, or you know, you you wear an orange mohawk to interview to be a uh, I don't know an accountant. I mean, the general um, uh, interpretation by the public for somebody who has one of those isn't really an accountant sitting there. It's going to be more like a a punk rocker or somebody who goes against the grain or you know, I'm not saying there aren't people that that couldn't do both jobs, but I've always found it extremely interesting when people said things like that. Now, little things, you know, whatever, an earring or, you know, tattoos here and there. And I even think the whole thing with most police forces, you can't have facial hair is is ridiculous. Um, but the, the extreme um, examples is what I'm talking about, where people are doing these things to express themselves to to give out a certain identity, like this is who I am, but then they want to say, well, you don't know that's who I am. It's like, well, but which is it? It's, it's gotta, it can't be both. I mean, you got, I mean, aren't in that why you're doing it? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I, you, I, you follow I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I, I don't say any of it's bad. No, it's just, no, 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 no. Sometimes that, your actions have consequences one thing or, or I, not I would, consequences, but you know, I want to submit a new verb and that would be, 
I would take out judge. Um, no, everyone agrees. I think it's just like the standard of humans. We all agree. No one should judge anybody. By that, let me explain my version of a judge. Judge tends to fall into a permanent thought of X, Y, or Z. Um, it's often thrown around and talked about in a religious culture. That is the ones going to heaven or hell. It's thought of in a workplace or such that it's someone who is permanently, you know, th that, that there's a permanence that goes with the idea of judging. And that's why people say, you don't have the right to judge me. What if we just pick the word notice or observe and interpret? <laughs> exactly. Like you have, but it, it, this is more of, I'm going to, we all, we all, I, I, I listen to people in podcasts and read lots of things and listening to people talk and conversations and things. And cause I enjoy getting, I, I thoroughly enjoy getting multiple points of view because I think a person, this is a, maybe a tell on myself. I think anybody who has pick, pick a, uh, political belief. And all they do is consume the things that are of attaboy, attaboy, attaboy of that side politically is growing in no way. And interestingly yeah. is growing What's in no called? way. Bias confirm confirmation bias. Com or yeah, confirmation. Like so what I there's two things that I get out of reading and listening to people who are different than me, whether that's religiously or philosophically or politically, is I learn more about myself and what I am really or what I'm not. And I kind of learn about what other people in the world are, what they really are or not, the best I can based on the personalities that these people are sharing. And that to me is fulfilling. I don't even want to use some kind of goofy higher than thou term and say that's called growth. If somebody wants to call it that, that's fine. That sounds condescending to say, uh, that's, this is an example of how I'm growing and you're not. Because I think that, that in <laughs> yeah. itself is such a loaded gun. That's just stupid to use. Anyway, so doing those things and, and being part of that, um, accepting of everybody's observation or identity and how it appears is just something that everybody should do to a point. Meaning if it goes counter to whatever is the norm in that group, by no means am I saying the norm is by default correct because there were norms who could and couldn't eat at this lunch counter. There were norms who couldn't, couldn't vote. I, I know where that's all going. And by all means, anybody not being allowed to do all the things that the constitution allows is just terrible. And yeah. our country has grown from that. I think it doesn't mean we're perfect because we're not, but knowing, all right, I, I would want to know going back. I kind of lost in a lot of rambling, our big poll of the people. Why do you get, um, tattoos? Why do you get piercings? Why do you style the hair the way you do? And I don't mean like we're, you know, polling, we're polling random thousand people. These are not a thousand people who have outward demonstrations of creativeness. I want to know why do people do what they do? Some people do what they do to fit into the herd because they don't want to stand out. Not because they're a sheeple. That's a troll word. People want to blend in because they're shy and they don't want to cause waves and they want to be part of the group because generally the majority is in, I don't want to say right because that ends into being like the judge thing, but they end up being okay. Now, the 30s in Germany, 
Probably not an example of wanting to be part of a big group. <laughs> but even that insanity did not start as the big group. That was a small thing that festered into some big giant bull that was uh, cursed to all humanity. But I would like to know, like, what is the motive? Like, the uh, analogy here is I see you know, now at 46, and in my mind, I'm still 12, 15, or 16. But at 46, <laughs> I see cars in my town that are decorated a certain way oh, or yeah, they God. play their music in a certain way. Now, total, total confession. Yeah. Um, I was the 16, 17 into 20 year old who was part of the base generation. What we weren't just founders, you know, all of these things go back to the eighties, but it was really big in the nineties and I was oh, no yeah. stranger to that crowd. I built those speaker boxes for myself and my friends and I enjoyed the loud music. Here's the weird thing about me at least consciously. I can't interview my subconscious. You'll have to call me when I'm asleep. I did not do any of that for attention. So me as the one sampler of this, I listened to the music, the type of music I listened to, and at the volume I did because it was literally pleasing to me. Yeah, felt good to have that bass kick. Yeah, I mean, I could be in the middle of the country, as we say. No humans around. But matter of fact, I felt better about that because I was from a place that had a lot of rural areas. And we'd just drive around because that's what young people do, listen to music and talk or whatever. And I loved having it just because I knew I wasn't disturbing people. There, there is a part of that where you do want to peacock, as they say. I don't know. Did you all cruise? Oh, yeah. Did you cruise in your hometown? I mean, you grew up proximal uh, to, to a big city being near where you were, where I was basically halfway between big cities and in a We were about area. a decade removed from that. Um, so you're saying time-wise it don't exist anymore, at least for your town uh, at that time. Not the way that I've always, it's always been described to me from the 50s through the 80s. I guess my parents' generation who were, they were born in the late 50s, early 60s, I guess so. I guess it died in the late seventies and eighties, at least in the southeast. My um, parents did it. Was I remember them talking yeah, about so it. it. Are you familiar they... with a, an A and W drive-in? Surely, yeah. Right. There's still one yeah. in its original format in my hometown, and I remember going there with my parents when way back in the day. You know, back before we all wore seatbelts, um, and we're sitting there eating our meal at the uh, drive-in as you do, and people would drive around in circles. And I'm eight, ten years old, and I'm like, "Is this guy lost? What? what? I think it was bigger with different communities or different. Um, well, just say communities. I never saw like people doing it. Did you at least um, hang out at places besides homes? Did you hang out at the parking lots of any places? Because that's essentially the same thing. It's just not rolling. And that seems like that is still going on in the smaller towns. Like you said, I grew up not in a big town, but you had access it was to the big town pretty easily. More of a normal. Yeah, it was more of a normal-sized city for the, Ooh, for the 90s. Well, that, that we, we just kicked off our next interest to dissect. <laughs> we will put the pickaxe to, what did you do when you were growing up? And I don't necessarily mean band, not band. I mean the social atmosphere right. of your young driving age. Because we could go anywhere with it, so let's just narrow it down. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we will we'll dig into the, did you cruise? Did you not cruise? Did you play it loud, not loud? You know, part of that is the times. Like now... I mean, now in terms of electronics and all that stuff, and both you and I love that, it, where you live and where you work, do you ever hear anybody with it jacked up now? The bass just rolling. And I don't mean, do you hear it ever? Like, does it ever thunder in your town? What I mean is, do you hear it with a regularity? I next to never hear it anymore. I do, um, but I have a next-door neighbor who is part of a community who 
that's kind of their identity. But when you're riding around your town, but no, not, not generally, not, not cruising not, in unless your 40s, they're part of that. Going to lunch, unless they're part of that community. You going to work, at work? Do you do you witness much of that anymore? Outside of, uh, yeah. outside of your exclusion with, I know the neighbor lives there, so you're kind of getting that one exception right. put in your face. But Yeah, every now and then at work we have people come through the parking lot where, like, you can't hear the phone because... Now, how would you rate that in terms of its number and existence to 10 years ago to 20 years ago? Well, like, what I was getting at was, um, along with maybe hanging out in parking lots... I work in a smaller community than where I live, right. and those kind of things seem to exist more there than they do in the larger communities. And I think that's kind of, we could make that another show, and that's the evolution of towns. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, being from sure. rural areas, you tend to see things move through. The same things that move through Paris and New York will roll through your little hometown in rural Tennessee. It's yep. the time difference. It's definitely part of their i think it's part of their identity though like just to have the loud music going i know i mean like you i like to have a good sound in stereo I like to fancy myself somewhat of an audiophile though i'm not as versed in it as maybe i could mm, be you're just open um, us to but, get picked on now for the hiss that's going to be in oh, the background yeah this <laughs> definitely i'm even the low quality of this podcast irritates me sometimes but still um i think that's part of their identity and i think it's, you know, all these people, I think everyone agrees that you have identities and you have different ones with different people and whether they consciously accept that or know it, I think everyone has it. And it's just interesting when you have people who put forward a certain identity and then they don't want to be judged without that identity. It's like, well, we all know there are different, there, you have different hats that you can put on. So I think all these questions could be summed up in that statement. I think all of us know for the most part, if you have any type of sense that there are different types, everyone has multiple identities, multiple hats that they wear um, throughout life every day, probably. D daily, I think it changes. I think as each year, decade, and a uh, big chunk of time goes by, you can, if you will run the comb, you will see what you are and are not and what you were. And I don't know. It yep. It's interesting to to know just what you are when you're putting forth an identity just know that's what you're doing so i, I think I mean, the maybe uh, you're gonna get both reactions from it you'll get reactions positive and negative and that's that's part of it though sometimes people like the name some people do it just for the negative reactions i think sometimes i, I think there's um at least one major if not uh, there's always minors that go with things and that is the um positive that you can take away from this conversation is you I have at least been able to identify with people in a way that without really looking at myself and or looking at how I look to other people it has helped me forge better relationships I'm not going to say you're going to make a friend out of somebody who's not a friend but I think it helps more than hinders would you have any, would you agree or disagree? You want to add even more, another twist to that? To what exactly? The, the understanding identities, all the ones we have, and looking at your own, more or less is almost a positive-only situation. The, the negative that I'm thinking of right now as I speak, you might be a little shocked to see what you really are. And Oh, yeah. And, 
realizing when you aren't an identity that you thought you were or when you aren't an identity that you wanted to be, that's a little depressing. Um, have you, do you, I have two identities that I, and this is kind of different than the concentric circles, but this is more of like a hobby hats, if you will. In 2003 to 2008, uh, I was almost singularly identified as the, a deer hunter because that was the main hobby I had. didn't have any children, um, married and we did vacations and stuff like that. But that was the thing that I did. You know, we all go to work and we all live, but usually uh, with men, you tend to get identified with your hobby somehow. And Mm -hmm. either that's by your choice or others. And that was the one I did to the point that when I even see, uh, other folks that hadn't seen me in a long time that just know me from that outer ring, they would, you know, first thing they would ask is, did you kill any deer yet? Or if it's summertime, are you getting ready to, uh, right. you know, go put some cameras out on your deer property or whatever? And I'm like, oh, it rings bells back in my mind of, yeah, that was part of my entire existence. And I'm not saying that, yep. like, these things are good or bad, because it's, it's just neutral now. But when I started seeing that slip away from me, like, meaning I just wasn't doing it, but I was still talking about it, it felt like I was losing part of myself. And that is uncomfortable and i yeah. i've one my current hat that i put on often is endurance running or triathlete iron man whatever something in that exercise vein because that's been my 10 year hobby at this point and now there are times when i kind of slip in and out of that whether it be good or bad fitness habits and i feel like i have a certain a certain expectation of people who know me as that, that I can't mm-hmm. not do that. And I view this a little different than I would a lot of sort of putting on show, if you will, because I think exercise is the universal statement here is good for everybody. No one's going to argue with that. I think, um, doing whatever it is you have to do to fool yourself or to coax yourself or to pitch yourself into doing exercise is nothing but a good thing. Um, somebody might want to argue with me about my mechanism of that, but that's just how I go with it. I am better physically than even more so mentally when I exercise regularly and that choice being running right now. All the two definitely go together. So when I feel like, this is where it was very painful with that deer hunting identity as a part, I literally a part, even though I didn't want to do it anymore. I, I was burned out. Dawson was born. Mm-hmm. It worked out at a good time for my life, but I was like hunting mad because I felt like I got to produce. I got to produce. I took what was a hobby and fun and passion and I turned it into like work, meaning I got to have oh, metrics yeah. because I don't have a deer to show for <laughs> this this year or I don't have a big enough deer or whatever it is. And so I like w- began hunting with this agenda and the, not the agenda of fun, enjoyment, yeah, enjoy God's yeah. world, and I'm going to sit and watch it. No, no, I, I treated it like something to chase down. And that's when it started sucking for me really bad. So I stopped going as much because you're not going to do what you don't enjoy eventually. But, but I liked the identity. Because it fostered conversations and things like that. Well, then I've had moments where the running identity is slipping away because they're like, well, you know, people's first thing to you is whatever you're relatable to. And in my case, when I see people that aren't in my inner circle, they're always like, what race are you training for? And if I don't have one, I feel inadequate because that's part of my identity. 
It's because it's right. part of who I who I have become. Now, there's a lot to unpack with all the things I just said that a therapist would have a field day with, I'm sure. But because I have this vein of it's uh, good for me physically, and mentally, I'm like letting it perpetuate and be its thing. I don't know. I wonder how other people struggle with their loss of identities. And when you see that you are being fake to yourself is what's worse. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say is you feel phony. I have the same thing. People see me, they know me either as whatever, one of those hobbies. Mm -hmm. So I've ridden my motorcycle. One of, I have a couple of motorcycles. One's a um, bagger and one's just a uh, cruiser, but I've ridden them to work and a few, just a few times, not often, but I guess often enough where people would, you know, know it's mine. And so there's those people who will come in and be like, you ain't rode your bike in a while. You still getting out there? You still got your Harley or you still got that Honda and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, yeah, I still got it. You know, I think to myself, God, I hadn't rode that thing in six months. And it's like, to them, I'm like this avid bike rider. I go, I even ride it to work, you know, so I must put, you know, 300 miles a week on it. And then I also have a group of people who know I kayak fish. Um, and just like to go fishing in general. And as I sit here and look at me and my friends' kayaks on a trailer I bought a few months ago, they have been sitting on that trailer probably since September and haven't right. moved. And, you know, of course it's winter time or when it's winter time, you know, they don't, they don't move anyway. Right. Um, but people ask, you know, caught any fish? You've been to so-and-so, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I haven't really been fishing in six months, so... I feel like, you know, you know me as a, I feel like I've let them down because I'm the fisherman guy and I don't have any new stories to tell them. And is that more of Whatever. you let yourself down in combination of letting them down? It could be. I don't know. I think it's mostly letting them down. Like you're known as this identity, but yet you haven't followed through with it. Right. And I have a, you know, there's also, and then there also I have a, uh, a uh, what I guess can be considered a modern muscle, a muscle car. It's got a big V8 in it. You know, people love looking at that and talking to me about cars and stuff at work all the time and or wherever I'm at, you know, this, that and the other. And have you seen this or have you seen that? And I do really like cars. It's one of my one of my things. Um, they're like, you still got that car? Are you still whatever? Have you ever done this or have you done that? And like, what do you think about these new whatever product it is for cars? Right. I'm like, well, I haven't really even looked at that. And it's like, well, I don't have much to say to them. So then I feel like oh, I'm a phony. I pretend. Like, I like those things, but I don't know what really they're talking about. Maybe because I have too many hobbies and hats. My wife would full-heartedly agree that we have too many hobbies, but hey, live life. <laughs> I think, uh, not to stretch this beyond the level of interest, but I think we really hit on two things. There is the psychological versions of our different hats and then there's the hats that are more or less what you could just call hobbies those types of identities versus the you're in my inner circle or friend identity versus my work you know there's the personas and then there's these other badges if you will it's not the entire person but it's that, that big badge you always wore on your uh, vest of life was motorcycle or fishing or deer hunting or Iron Man, or whatever the badge was that you had on the accomplishment vest of life. And I mean, that's just, you are in, that's going back to that flip book. That for those people, that was the drawing that you handed out to them. Whether you wanted to do that or not, uh, that is what you did. So therefore, when they come back to you, that is the first thing they say. And I am that way 
myself to every nth degree because I think about people, my first impression of people, even if it's a bad one, is is forever hemmed into my mind. Now, that doesn't dictate my mood or that does not dictate how I treat them. Um, but I know people that have had major changes in their life from who they once were to who they are now. And it it was a kind of a curve there to be able to make a change as far as maybe how I would talk or do this out or the other because who you came to me is what you really got stamped into my brain. Now I can rewrite anything. Just know that first stamp's got really hard ink to move. Right. So that's why maybe it's such a big deal. People say that study, bring it back to the beginning. You're talking about with doctors, your first interaction with your patient is so important. Um, you want to have the certain persona that they're expecting or that is, um, accepted by society. And how do you have the human patch? Like in my analogy of, you know, like, um, is it safe to say that like biker culture, not so much what you do necessarily, but just I'm an outside guy talking in a course, but that there is this, uh, patches of bike shops, maybe patches of uh, accomplishment. Maybe if it's a biker gang or something, is that somewhat remotely accurate? Like, I don't know exactly what you like, mean. Like a vest that a uh, biker may wear. The, they're decorated usually with patches of yeah. a variety. Uh, for example, the vehicle of a triathlete or runner often can be decorated with stickers that either represent oh, yeah. the mileage that they've accomplished or the races that they have been to or whether they ever have or haven't done Ironman or you know, Spartan races, all these. We have... Uh, for a, another time, we will get into uh, the the vest of life. Like uh, I cannot think of the name of it, and I'll research it for the next time we talk. But the uh, left side of the military person's dress uniform often has, as the more accomplished they are, a colorful collection of. And there's a word here. It's accomplishments essentially, but I don't know and that the ribbons and all. Do you know what I'm talking about? Flowers and all that. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we will we'll come back with the right word here. But it, it gets bigger the more things you've done and the more that you've been involved in X, Y, or Z. Yeah, well, the medals and ribbons and accolades. Yeah, and accolades. yeah, yeah. And it, th those are basically identities. Now it's all being within the same circle, but like in uh, the, all these things, that, there's the car version of this that we we're going to hit on one time. It may be a, kind of a quick thing, but I'm perplexed infinitely about what people put on their cars as decals because this hymns right into personas and it's like okay um i, I think i even sent you one one day and uh, we're not going to go down this road yet because it's going to be another time but this one uh, there's been a lot that's perplexed me but this particular one it was a grayish silver uh gmc or chevy pickup truck with a kitty cat clawing its way out like how tattoos look like they're coming out of the flesh this was sticker constructed in a way that looks like it was peeling the metal back to come out of the tailgate not a puma or a tiger or a lion <laughs> literally a little like a tabby cat yes like a little kitty cat <laughs> that anybody would have at their house and it was it wasn't even in the actual picture wasn't even showing it doing the clawing so it wasn't even in an action phase it was just a kitty cat sitting there that had clawed itself out of the inside of this truck and i'm like for one 
uh, you know, that's odd. It's not like a tiger that's showing power or something and oh, I've ripped out of this thing. No, it's a little fuzzy kitty. Two. Um, weird. It's a guy, like your average kind of blue collar working guy who's driving this truck. Maybe his daughter put it Could have been. Could have been. But I wonder, because everything that you put on your car like this is a message to somebody. It's not necessarily a message to everybody yeah. because I have been, you know, as the running identity goes, I have been part of the number circle. There's the 13.3s, the 26.2s, and there's also the 0.0s. And I just remember <laughs> yeah. seeing that in this popularity thinking, wow, someone's really proud that they don't do any kind of exercise or at least in the vein of running. That seems weird to well, me. I think they're attacking. For sure. I think they're offended by people putting those on there because they think that they're showing out. Exactly, or and, exactly. And you know, I, and I totally understand that. Yeah, and right I had right. a long conversation with a guy about this once. And my answer was that those number messages aren't for you, non-runner. Now, maybe they are from somebody, but to me, more of those kind of stickers that I have owned in my past, they're all for the people that are in that tribe. They're not for anybody outside of it, not to be exclusionary, but I'm not trying to say, look at me, everybody, you don't do anything, yeah. but this is what I do. No, it's more of like people of the common crowd. Oh yeah. You've been to that city and done that thing. Yeah, me too. Or, you know, one of those kind of things. Right. Well, that's true, but. I could see how people would interpret it that way because you are putting it there for everyone to see. Absolutely. It's definitely a display. Right. Like you never have anybody um, put like their value of their 401k on the back of their car. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, they, they're proud of the work they put into it and the, the um, discipline it took to build that up and not spend that money. And, but you never see people doing that. Maybe the next so level. That may be the next level. I think maybe it could be. God. Right beside the Fidelity logo is some number. Oh, God. Yeah, like 1.3 as in million or 680K or... Oh or the new uh, the other version of the beat. Maybe we're giving people ideas. That's not... That the year, <laughs> meaning your age, at which you retire. Like someone's going to have a big 57 put on the back of their car because, yep, I have it set up. I'm going to retire when I'm 57. Yeah. Or in my case, I mean, that's there's going to be one that says think, 82 because that's when I'll retire. <laughs> those are both things to be proud of. And that's another thing we could get into is what's socially acceptable and not. Like those things both take a lot of work and discipline, but why is it okay to say, Hey, I, I'm in shape enough to run a 26 point, whatever you couch blob. <laughs> whereas somebody who, you know, already at the age of 40 has a million dollars in their 401k can say, look how much money I've made you moron. Are you lazy person? Right. You know, it's it's kind of down the same way. Till next time. Seen a bunch of run-down new horse towns Where the church is the backbone loves in the power